Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I've also got an Instagram. I love that movie podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, this show is free, but if you want to support us, you can. You can find that at patreon.com slash I love that movie. If you sign up for our Patreon episodes, you do get a little bonus weekly roundup from me of everything I'm watching and um, and just my thoughts on it. Um, we do. I do want to take a quick moment to thank my top patrons, which are Chris Balga, Jeff Woodman, and Michael Cross. Thank you guys so much for everything you do. Um, also, we have a Teespring if you need any I Love That Movie swag, a Discord, and a Facebook group. And all those links can be found in the show notes. Uh, we also have a website, ilovethatmoviepodcast.com. And if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Um, I don't have a ton of announcements this week, so I'm just going to roll right into it. Uh, I have a new voice on the show, a new guest, Samuel Sanner, a.k.a. Triple S. Say hi, Samuel. Hello, everybody. Hey, so Samuel, this is your first time on the show, so why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, just tell them a little bit about yourself. Okay, so, uh, yeah, my, my real name is Samuel Sanner, but on the internet, I like to go by Triple S., which you'll find me on mainly Twitter and Instagram uh, under Triple S Entertainment. Uh, I mainly like to talk about video games, toys, anime, pretty much like pop culture stuff, but also very much really love movies. That's awesome. So my guest always picks the movie, and <laughs> I had to check with you first, Samuel, if you were comfortable with this, because previous to this episode, we have been doing like feel-good movies or happy movies just with everything going on in the news right now, and I planned on that being a temporary thing. I thought, you know, as long as we're in this pandemic and, you know, we're shelter in place for a month or two that's what we're going to do that started back in march and has stretched on now to june so when you asked me about this movie i thought you know what i think it's time like we've got to open it up to the rest of the genres because otherwise it, it makes it went from being like a very happy thing to sort of restrictive and i do want to talk about drama and horror and like all those other genres that we kind of haven't been uh doing too many episodes on so you know i i made sure you were okay with that you were and i'm so glad oh yeah <laughs> and so samuel what what movie did you select to talk about this week we're talking about jacob's ladder from 1990 it is yes a fantastic <laughs> movie agreed so samuel i well let me say really quick, just because I got to get it out of the way here. I had not seen this movie before. Oh, this was your first time. Yes. Isn't that weird? Like, okay, this movie, 
I mean, come on. Jacob's Ladder scenario. Like, we all know the twist in this movie. And um, it's a classic for a reason. And I know that. And just somehow I had not got around to seeing it. So I was so excited when you picked it. And that's why I was like, okay, I just want to make sure you're okay with it. Because I definitely want to talk about this. But now that I've kind of revealed that to you, um, what about you? When did you first see this movie? So I saw this movie back in high school. Um, At the time, I was like a big fan of the Silent Hill uh, video games, which uh, this movie pretty much had its like um, the the video games had the inspiration from this movie so much. But um, a friend of mine back in high school, he had it on like DVD, I believe, and we just sat down and watched it together. And I was just amazed at what was going on. And it, it was the the I did not know about the ending. And when I saw oh. that, I was just so shocked. I was like, Oh, oh my gosh, how wonderful! <laughs> that you're you're lucky to not know the ending of this movie. Like I feel like this is one of those films. It's almost like you know when we talk about like the shining or casablanca it's like everybody knows like all the quotes and everything before they even get to see it so to actually get to enjoy that twist your first viewing that's that's really cool oh yeah it's it's it there i think there's some other movies i I, if i remember correctly like i still have not yet to watch it that has i know people have talked about but somehow i've not uh gone into spoilers for some somehow but um, I'm, this was definitely the one, and this was back in like 2000 and I want to say 2006 when I first saw it. Again, this oh, okay. is back in high school, so I want to say 2006. Sure. Yeah, and um, you mentioned something that you know maybe older fans might not think much about. I honestly I hadn't ever thought about it until I was reading IMDb, and uh, someone even mentioned this in our Facebook group that, like you said, this served as a major inspiration to the Silent Hill games. Uh, which I absolutely love. Um, And I think it's cool that you shared that fact too, because, you know, you're a big video game fan. So there's a lot of crossover, you know, with how video games are made um, stylistically. um, A lot of times they're almost like directed movies and they've gone on to also influence cinema. So we can see that relationship, you know, starting back pretty early. I mean, I'm sure it predated this, but, you know, that was 1999 when the first Silent Hill a game even came out and I was definitely not aware of that connection at the time oh yeah because like when you see like the imagery in Jacob's Ladder like uh, I don't know if we should get in like spoilers and right now it's too early but <laughs> I'm just saying it's just this one scene it's just like this whole part right here I was just like this is Silent Hill this is it's strictly Silent Hill and I'm just it uh, when I watched that movie and then like just thinking about the games as well it's just yeah this was this was definitely uh, what inspired those games. I was like, yeah, this is this is great. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I guess um, I will say you bring up a great point. Um, you know, is this spoiler free? Uh, my show is not spoiler free, guys. So we haven't actually said the twist yet. There's still time. <laughs> if you <laughs> haven't seen this movie before, go ahead and hit pause. Go see it and come back. And um, if not, if you're fine with spoilers, I'll go ahead and keep going here. But I think the first thing I want to do is go ahead and say the synopsis of this movie. After returning home from the Vietnam War, veteran Jacob Singer struggles to maintain his sanity. Plagued by hallucinations and flashbacks, Singer rapidly falls apart as the world and people around him morph and twist into disturbing images. His girlfriend, Jesse, and ex-wife, Sarah, try to help, but to little avail. Even Singer's chiropractor friend, Louie, fails to reach him as he descends into madness. 
That was good. So, yeah, that one didn't give it away yet. <laughs> but we will <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> uh, so the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give a couple quick facts. Uh, one of them we actually already talked about uh, was that this did influence the Silent Hill games. And I 100% agree with you. I am thinking of a lot of imagery from the games and even from the Silent Hill movie. I was thinking about that when I watched this one. So that yeah. that's a pretty cool fact. Because, like, it's just that um, when the dude in, like, the hospital, he's heads all shaking and all yes. crazy-like. I'm like, that's that's Silent Hill right there. I know. I, it, it is. I mean, it's, like, something that has become, you know, a part of those games. Like, I feel like uh, those games influenced other games. And then when you see it, you're like, oh, that's, like, Silent Hill. So it's just interesting, the background of that. And it yeah. actually leads to my next uh, quick fact, and it's that all the special effects were filmed live uh, with no post-production. So, for example, to achieve that famous head-shaking effect... Uh, the director, Adrian Lin, simply filmed the actor waving his head around and keeping his shoulders and the rest of his body still at 4 FPS, resulting in an incredibly fast and deeply disturbing motion when played back at the normal frame rate of 24 FPS. Oh, wow. I did not know about that. Huh. Yeah, it's weird to think about, huh? I mean, it is, it's a movie from the 90s, and it's not like there weren't a lot of special effects but yeah i think that when you watch this movie um you can't tell that there's not a lot done in post you know what i mean right. like i i did kind of assume there were a lot of special effects because um remember the scene with the he was at like a party and he starts hallucinating yes. with this woman like a, and a demon like like uh dancing together and he used to see this yeah. lay, this tail go between her legs and like wow that, i'm like what the heck is going on like a costume <laughs> yeah it's weird to think that was all practical and not you know something that they added later or whatever it just speaks to a totally different time and also just um you know this movie in general i mean it's not like that wasn't possible but you know for whatever reason this movie didn't do that and i think that it does help it hold up visually though because there are certain things that you know that were done in that era that you know kind of make you think oh this is an 80s or 90s movie i'm thinking about like you know like ghostbusters or something you know what i mean there's yeah. stuff they did in post that you're like oh, okay but this movie i mean it's so the subject matter is so serious and i think the fact that they did use you know all these effects were live and 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 the scenes aren't altered in any way in, in post-production. I think it, it kind of helps it stand the test of time. Yeah. Cause, um, I, that's one of my favorite things of like older movies. And, it, and when movies do use practical effects, uh, nowadays is usually it's, it's most of the time rare, but when they do use it, it's always still looks like, looks amazing. Right. It looks better. It, it feels like, um, it gives that movie a little more staying power. Like they had the ability yeah. to, to work with something real. And, um, yeah, so I definitely agree with you. And by the way, not throwing any shade at Ghostbusters. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff about, you know, when you look at a movie that you it there may be effects that date it, but also sort of make that endearing about it. So definitely yeah. not criticizing it. Um, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and surprisingly, like, because none of them are my top, like, five movies is the original Jurassic Park. And you look at that movie, and to this day, it still holds up very well. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we actually did an episode on that. I think that was like in our first season with David Gillespie. Really oh. great episode. You guys should go back and listen to that one. But yeah, we talk a lot about the effects. I remember as a kid, Jurassic Park is probably one of the first movies that I was just truly amazed. I couldn't believe those dinosaurs weren't real. Granted, <laughs> I was nine years old, but <laughs> it was very impressive to me. I think I was um, like five. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like right at the cutoff age of like, you know, I really shouldn't go see this in the theaters, but um, I think I got to see it on VHS the year it came out. I mean, it was impossible to keep children away from a dinosaur movie, so I still got to see it. Um, the last quick fact that I had was that all the ads in the subway in Virgin Street Station are anti-drug ads. Really? Yeah, and like when you think about it, there's just so many things that make this film work but you know remember like i think you know around that time that's when like the war on drugs was huge and you know so that would not stuff like that exactly like that would not tip your audience off to there's something else going on here but then in retrospect obviously that plays into the plot right right yeah yeah i did not notice that at all yeah it's so cool i i didn't either honestly uh imdb helped with that but i thought it was a very cool fact um did you have any quick facts you wanted to throw out there before we uh keep rolling um one that like i always forget that macaulay culkin was the the son that blew my mind (laughs) yeah i saw him i was like oh my god he's so young i was like i keep forgetting that he's he's in that movie for some reason yeah i did this thing last night where like Nick will say to me, I, I did an, a recent episode on the movie Lovebirds and I, I kept saying Kumail as though I know him. And he was like, why do you keep saying, why don't you say like Kumail Nanjiani? And I'm like, I don't know. And then today I thought about it. And I think if there's an actor that has a name that not everybody has, or they're not like a Bill or something, I do use their first name. And in this movie, when I saw Macaulay Culkin, I went, is that Macaulay? Similar thing. <laughs> Not a lot of guys named Macaulay, so I just automatically knew and said that. But yeah, it it surprised me. He's really young. I mean, like younger than Home Alone, right? When yeah. Because Home Alone came out in like '94 or something like that. I, I did an episode. Like I should remember. Yeah, I think it was '94. Yeah, um, but yeah, he's very young here. That's a, that that is a good Easter egg. And and when you don't know that, it just it takes you by surprise. You're like, I didn't expect one of his sons to be Kevin <laughs> McAllister. So. Yeah. Um, did you have any other ones? Um, not not at the moment, no. Okay, no worries. Well, let's talk a little bit about the director, Adrian Lin, who also directed... I mean, r- when you look at this movie poster, it says on there, like, director of Fatal Attraction. So this is, you know, after Fatal Attraction. He also directed the movie Flashdance, which I also really enjoy. Um, are you a fan of this director's other, other films? The only movie I've seen from him was Fatal Attraction. When I looked at the yeah. <laughs> his list, I was like, wow, the only thing I've seen is with Fatal Attraction. <laughs> well, that's okay. Um, it, it, it feels like uh, this movie is different from the other movies. Like, it's kind of surprising that that's in the same lineup. What do you think? It was surprising because a lot of these other stuff are <laughs> romance-based. Yeah, like rom-coms. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. They're rom-coms. And, and, and as funny as I look at the posters, I'm like, these are all the same posters. Yeah, they are. You're so right. 
And like, there is something aesthetic. I can't put my finger on it. But when I read that he did Flashdance, even though the movie is so dramatically different, obviously, from this movie, there was something about the look of New York that felt kind of, it did feel like it was in the same, like, universe, like the, the way that it looks. And of course, it's the same city, but I mean, the way yeah. it was filmed somehow was, but other than that, yeah. And I, I'm trying to think if I've seen Fatal Attraction. I might not have. So if you're listening, um, you're probably, and this is like your first episode, you're like, this girl hasn't seen any movies, but <laughs> it's they're just, gonna, these are a couple of ones I haven't seen yet. They're going to, oh, whoever is going to be your next guest or like somewhere down the line, they're going to ask, hey, let's do Fatal Attraction episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, I hope they do. Um, this movie was written by Bruce Joel Rubin, who directed a lot of films, including Ghost and Deep Impact. Um, and I really feel that this script is like as close to perfect as you can get. And I think the way the flow of the story and how things happen, you know, we've talked about the visuals, they're amazing, but also just um, this is a very hard plot to pull off. And yeah. it's like not something that you really want to see. Like a lot of times when you go to a movie and it ends with this scenario, you're like, oh, man, come on. But this movie <laughs> pulled it off perfectly. And I think a lot of that has to do with the writing. Yeah, because like it had the, it had this like mystery that you kind of if you put like the clues together, you you when you get to that end you're like, that makes sense, that makes perfect sense, and it I, I love it I I love the ending actually I, I think this is like one of my like I said this is like one of my favorite movies and if that uh, the ending but like again the writing is just like it's very very strong. Yeah, I remember as a kid reading, not having seen this movie, but I read a, a short story um, that was really similar to this. And I remember just being, you know, entranced, horrified by this concept. <laughs> and I hadn't even seen Jacob's Ladder. I'm sure that would have really blown my mind. But um, it is done so well. Um, and like you said, all the clues are there, all the little pieces are there, but I think there's enough to throw you off. Like there's enough sort of red herrings in the movie that keep you from completely putting the picture together. Um, and that's kind of what makes the whole thing work. And yeah. speaking of that, I think we should go ahead and start talking about uh, some of your favorite scenes in this movie. So why don't you go ahead and start and, and you know, let us know about some of your some of your favorite scenes. Oh, there's a lot. So yay, um, let's do it. <laughs> so if I if I go through the entire like entire movie like from an order of like my favorite scenes without trying to like mumble it up, um, it's I know fine. I, I jump around all the time, so you don't feel like it has to be chronological. Just anything that you want to talk about is cool. Okay. Well, again, like I keep bringing up the now I can finally say it, the hospital hospital scene with the mm -hmm. guy shaking his head but the fact that like when he's like in the in the chair and you see all these like body parts everywhere and it's just like it's like grungy horrible looking hospital and it's just it's just brings a chill down your spine it's like oh god what's gonna happen to him is he they're gonna like chop up his body or something yeah and, uh there's that there is again with the um the it was, I can't remember if it was like a club or a dance party, but pretty much like uh, again with he seeing like this woman dancing with a somebody, but the they start turning to a, like a demon, and you see like a hand, like a like a big like demon demonic head or demo demonic tail like wrap around her, and it was just it was freaky looking, 
and the scene in the bathtub when all the people are throwing the the ice into the water yeah that w- that one was also pr- like uh like crazy to me and i i th- um this movie also had a lot of uh like like religious um like a, like a, a lot of religious like uh, imagery and stuff was mm-hmm. was just pretty interesting the i'm trying to think another scene oh the cart the car scene when he's oh, yeah. running down the 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 running down like this uh street or something and this car is just like swerving swerving around trying to hit him i was like and there's this guy uh, yelling i was like uh like run away or something it's like who is this guy and i'm just like who is this guy how does he know uh jacob and yeah it's like you're getting as confused as he is by that point of the movie yep uh to rewind back a little bit to when you were talking about that party scene um, yeah, he's at a, a a party with his girlfriend, Jessie, um, played by Elizabeth Pena. And um, they're playing this music, which uh, it's, it's like funk, I guess. It's, you know, very fast. People are sweaty. They're dancing a lot. And at first he's having fun. Then something kind of creepy happens right before that moment where um, there's a woman on the stairs reading palms and she reads his palm and she tells him he's dead. And he kind of dismisses it. But this is a theme that comes up a lot in the movie where he's questioning. He just says out loud, am I dead? A bunch yeah, of times. So it's dead. like... I'm not dead. <laughs> his mind is sort of wrestling with reality of what's actually happening. Um, but yeah, when they're at that party and she's and that demon thing kind of happens, to me, I thought it, it reminded me a lot of like a, like an alligator. Like I feel like there's a lot of movie a lot of parts of the, this movie where um reality is sort of seeping in that he's not really in new york he's back where he was in the beginning of the movie you know what i mean so it's like sometimes people look different or he'll see something horrific or like in this part where he sees maybe like a alligator or a crocodile or whatever might be in that part of the world that's kind of what i thought his mind might be inserting there a little bit and uh, I think, like, another thing I really liked about the film, or another scene that, like, really disturbed me, uh, was the scene with the nurse, where he's at the hospital. Oh, yeah, yeah. and uh, when her, her hat fell down, right? Yeah, and he sees the top of her head, and there's, like, all, like, these teeth and, like, this growth, and then, and then she quickly, like, grabs her hat and she covers it, and he's just, yeah. like, I mean, he just keeps getting the sense, the whole movie, that something is just not right and he can't like put his finger on it but i think he's also because he's a a veteran and this is like another part that i think plays into the plot is that a lot of the times when he's getting really scared or he's panicking or getting upset i think we as the audience kind of dismiss it a little bit because if he's coming back from the vietnam war then he probably has ptsd right because of the things that he's seen and and you know he's struggling emotionally to fit back into society and i think that that's what we're assuming he's going through and and i think he's assuming he's going through that too but he doesn't want to deal with it or admit it or you know get everybody in on it um and so understandable because my 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 father went uh went through war and he has some ptsd it's not like like Jacob PTSD, but still, um, Cor- when yeah. people go through that stuff, it is very traumatizing. 
Yeah, there's no way that you could go and see some of the things that um, that a lot of these, you know, veterans have seen and not be affected by it. That's, you know, your brain's natural response to trauma. And I think, you know, in, in the earlier part of the movie, we're kind of assuming that that's what he's experiencing and that maybe the stigma of that is, you know, preventing him from admitting it to his family members and getting help and people are sort of in the movie dismissive of it because of that but really something else is going on you know the whole movie and I think this is like the first movie that Tim Robbins was in that was not like a comedy because I think previous to this he was mostly in comedies and in in general I think I've seen him mostly in comedies but this is a really serious role for him too oh yeah um, and he I doesn't have seen awesome. many movies with him, actually. Yeah, the, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, the, the the biggest one that comes to mind is not the biggest movie he's in. It's that Nothing to Lose movie because we did that episode last year. Um, but, uh, you know, Shawshank Redemption, you know, probably oh, his biggest yeah. role. Um, and so I think this movie kind of set the tone for him to have the opportunity to do some of those more serious roles. Um, but yeah, he's just so good in this. Um, I saw the other choices, but I think Tim Robbins, you know, really carries this film, uh, very well. Like I think in a surprising way, it's pretty different from his other performances. So I like that. Uh, there's a part of the movie, I think it's the part with the car that you talked about a minute ago where, um, it's like right after he gets out of the car and then he's in the street talking to someone and that person is talking about, you know, giving sold, giving kids back in the war drugs. Do you remember that scene? Yes, I do remember that yeah. scene, yeah. And so that's like another little clue. So now we've got the, uh, the subway ads in this part, and they're both like feeling really upset and guilty about that. Um, and, and I think you as the audience are assuming that, you know, our hero uh, may have done that in the war. And then, of course, there's a twist that he's actually the victim of an experiment <laughs> towards yeah. the end. But we don't know that at this point. So that's another part that I really uh, enjoyed about it. Um, I think like one thing about the movie that, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens, you know, visually, like you mentioned. And then just um, as he's sort of kind of falling apart. Um, there seems to be this theme in the movie, or I guess he's starting to think that there's like some kind of virus that he has, which doesn't make a lot of sense with his symptoms, except for the yeah. part where he gets a fever. And even that part was a little weird where his girlfriend calls the hospital and she's like, "We, you won't make it to the hospital. We've got to put you in ice now. And I remember telling Nick, I was like, that doesn't sound right, but okay. <laughs> and then, you mm -hmm. know, she gets all that ice and all the neighbors put ice on him which you know ice baths are a thing but I just think I was like I don't know I feel like the medics would at least come out here you know uh, but uh, she puts him in the ice water and stuff and then he feels a little better in the next scene um, but that keeps being told to him that there's a virus but he keeps wanting to see his chiropractor uh, Louie and that also doesn't really make a lot of sense with what he's going through um, and there's a little there's a little hint in the movie where he says that you look like an angel, like an overgrown cherub. Oh, and he's yeah. like, is it anybody ever told you that? And he goes, yeah, you, every time you see me. So it's sort of like a, you know, he thinks it's like a funny little joke, but I think, you know, later in retrospect, it's almost like his guardian angel going back to that religious imagery stuff you were talking about. 
Yeah, and it, it makes sense because like uh, when he went to that uh, hospital to take him out, and he says like this is, and he's like yelling at the doctors and stuff while he's trying to get him out. And I was like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's trying to help him. Yeah, and but it's like you know in reality like your chiropractor showing up at your at the hospital and getting you out of there doesn't make a whole lot of sense but in his mind he's sort of like putting together this narrative and then um yeah so it's just kind of those are the kind of the scenes that i really liked yeah uh did you have any others that you thought of it's at the end but it's when he finally it's at the very end when he's you know, yeah. when he sees he's he's this uh his son and he's and oh my yeah when he when he hugs his son and and Macaulay Culkin I was just gonna say Macaulay Culkin yeah uh, hugs it, him that, that's says, fine <laughs> it says it, it's okay and it says walk up and it says fades to white and I'm like that 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 scene is beautiful as well I agree because um I don't know I think there was like a part of me like I said I hadn't seen it before I knew what was gonna happen. But a part of me was kind of like, okay, is, does he, like, wake up at the end and then die? But it's like he never actually really becomes, uh, you know, completely awake. He never comes out of his coma or he never really makes it out of surgery. Um, he just, we just know that he's at peace with what's happened. His brain has sort of finally figured out the situation that he's in and then he's accepting of it. And then after the movie, there's sort of like a little quick explanation about, you know, what actually happened. Um, and I think it wraps it up perfectly. And it's, you know, the whole movie is so dark and so disturbing. But that last scene of him getting to, you know, walk up those stairs and hug his son and all that stuff. I, I think that kind of, as an as an audience member, we can kind of uh, he put, puts our mind at ease a little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, well, he passed on peacefully <laughs> despite how... You know, gruesome this all is. Yeah. I guess because, like, it's... Uh, as, um... There were also, like, signs on, like, the... I, I, again, with, like, imagery and religion is that there was a lot of, like, signs and stuff, like, that pointed, like, to hell. So it made it seem yeah. like he was in hell or something or in purgatory. And maybe that's the thing that was, like, trying to, like, show that he is dead Right, and the, but there's also, like, a lot of, like, guilt, too, I feel, in the movie. He keeps having these, like, violent flashbacks. So at first, you're like, is he talking about war? Like, war is hell, or being in Vietnam was hell? We're not really sure. So it's, like, sort of has a double meaning, and I really like that about it, too. But I, I completely agree with you. It's, like, I think you could describe the situation that he's in as almost, like, purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, anything else that you were thinking about? Um, it's a little scene, but I don't know what it is, but when he's, uh, the girl that he was living with, he's, uh, his girlfriend, and, yeah. um, she's, like, he, she's, it's, like, almost towards the end as well, where he's, he's, like, she's, like, talking to her, but her eyes turn black, and he freaks out, he's, like, who are you? Yeah, where he's really, like, losing it. Um, yeah. I do like that. It kind of reminded me of in other movies where people are sort of breaking down like in like Black Swan or something like that where I feel like a lot of those films have, have this movie to sort of uh, as their inspiration. Uh, but yeah, I like that part too. Um, there's a lot of really cool scenes where 
he's seeing something horrific and then a second later it's like gone and it just really all those images really stick with you in a way they they don't seem like cheesy they don't seem um like like we were saying earlier they don't seem dated they're truly chilling and i think that's something that's very hard to pull off um some movies when you go back and revisit them you know you'll read a tagline like scariest movie ever and then you watch it and you're like well i guess this was scary at the time but i feel that jacob's ladder is truly like disturbing and chilling even now and i think that that's something that it shares with or that it obviously inspired we talked about like those silent hill games which are like i think my favorite horror game i'm going to keep mentioning them <laughs> because i like them so <laughs> oh, much i completely i completely agree they're my favorites as well yeah they were the first game you know i'm not like a big gamer if i'm honest um when i was like 18 or 19 i had a ps3 you know i i had a sega genesis before that i had nintendo but like no more than uh, any other kid would have um, and I wasn't super into horror games at the time. I thought that they were kind of dated. Like, I'm like, well, you know, not dated. That's the wrong word. I thought that the effects Cheesy. were not there yet. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was like, this isn't really scary. I, You know, people would show me a game and turn off the lights. And I'm like, yeah, but we're just playing a video game. Like, that's how I saw them back then. Um, except for Silent Hill. Silent Hill was truly scary to me <laughs> and yeah. i think it's sort of it, it ages really well at least the games do um and i think it's because some of the imagery in it is just so disturbing that even though you're playing a game you just feel ugh about it and the psychological aspect of the games too also inspired by this movie i think play a big part in that yeah because like you go in like the, the 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 whole town and stuff it's really in like three when the sirens happen and it starts like rusting everywhere and it's just all dirty and filthy and you just see like monsters or something in the walls and it's just ugh. Yeah, it's like, it's really creepy. And like, I was sort of alluding to it earlier, but um, when we see like some of the, like the shaking head guy and some of the other stuff, it, it kind of reminded me of like, um, those weird little babies that you see you know what i mean like uh the the burned children that are like in the video game and in the movie yeah and then also the guy that doesn't have any arms like there's there's some really disturbing like body horror stuff that i was i thought about when we were when i was watching this movie i was like that's where silent hill got that like you were talking about <laughs> earlier for sure well, I wonder if people listening to this knew we were going to talk about Silent Hill so much. <laughs> they're okay with <laughs> hey, that. If you're t that's the thing. If you if do you know that uh, if you know this movie and you know if what um what stuff and like uh this movie inspires, I I don't think anybody can talk about this movie without talking about Silent Hill. Yeah, I agree. It, that's a good point. Um, I think too. Uh. You know, this movie, I, I was talking about it earlier, is that um, this this plot is, like, pretty much impossible to duplicate and uh, effectively. Do you agree? Like, have you ever seen a movie try to do this and you were like, hmm? Or, like, I a, don't, I don't think I have, even though there was a remake. I've never yeah, seen it, but I know I there's a either. remake. Yeah, that's why I know, like, I asked you last night, I was like, oh, before I, before I watch this, are you talking about the remake or this one? I don't think that the new one got a lot of fanfare. I don't think it did super well. And there's no. just something about this movie, I think, that it's it's too perfect. You can't really, 
even remaking it, maybe it loses something, you know? And I think yeah. I think that the same guy was involved in that movie, too. But I don't know. Like, the same director or writer. Let me look it up. One of those two. I'm not sure it's the same writer. What's also, when I looked up, who was the writer for Jacob's Ladder, he also did my, another favorite movie of mine. I'm not, like, top favorite, but uh, Ghost. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Ghost um, and Deep Impact. Yeah, Deep Impact. Yeah. <laughs> Stuart Little too. <laughs> so similar to Jacob's Ladder. Oh, um, so similar. <laughs> yeah, I may have made up that other fact. I don't see it now, so disregard. Again, I want to uh, like uh, go back to like the ending. As I, I can always talk about that ending because it's always just so shocking, but. At the end of when you when when he wakes up after you know going through the light and you find out yeah he's he was he died he this was this all led up to him actually dying and mm-hmm. going to, with peace but it's it's the scene afterwards uh, when it finally faces the black before it hits the credits it's that message that says um, that uh, there was there were like testing for this this uh, drug or something like that and the government. Um, like denied it, and I was like, "What?" I remember when I saw that, I was like, "Wow, what?" Yeah, especially for those of us that are our age that you know grew up so much later than the Vietnam War. It's like we're so yeah. unaware of all kinds of problems and social issues that are connected to it. And I think this movie does a good job of touching on a lot of those things. Um, and that last kind of big reveal is a, is a really good part of it. I mean, because we really got to know um, our main character and, you know, we we got really close to him and um, and then he died. And then they kind of reveal a little bit more about what happened to him and and why he was experiencing all the things he was. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm trying to I'm looking at like all these terrifying pictures (laughs) from scenes from the movie. Um, There was um uh, I just thought back to a, a video I watched on YouTube from a YouTuber I follow, um, which I really suggest. Uh, the YouTuber's name is Ragnaroks, uh-huh. and he did a video called uh, he does a video series called Monster of the Week, and he did an episode on Jacob's Ladder, and he goes into more detail on the design, the like the uh, everything that like went on in that movie, like the design of like the mo- like the the monsters or like the message and like a lot of the imagery in that movie he goes through like all of it like what it all kind of means and what the symbolism behind it and things like that yeah and like because like some of it is like like based off from actual like paintings as well yeah and like photographs too right um yeah yeah uh there's a lot of scenes in the movie like when i'm just looking at these quick screen uh caps um there's a lot of uh, scenes that happen so quickly, I like, kind of didn't re- remember them. Like, I'm looking at it now, I'm like, oh. Like, they, they put this whole monster in here, or, you know, creature, or whatever, uh, for, like, one split-second scene. Like, there's so many things like that in, in the movie that are, make it really... It's almost like not, not letting us really look at it for very long and cutting away really fast. It, it makes it stick in your mind, you know, even more. Yeah. Like, the surgeon with no... F- face and or no eyes and yeah it's just guys it's so disturbing (laughs) um 
Yeah. So and so you kind of picked this movie too because you we had talked about a little bit before we recorded that you're kind of like a, a pretty big horror movie fan as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, very, <laughs> so this very is right big. up your alley. Um, oh yeah, because uh, on the at the Alamo Draft House in Houston, mm-hmm. we have they had this. Well, I mean, it's for everything that's going on right now. It's technically. Uh, temporarily closed sure but uh they had this thing every friday called gravity um the graveyard shift oh yeah where yeah yeah every friday are, do they have uh i think they have, they have it, it here the too at... yeah i believe so at some of the locations i've seen that that term because like they have like different ones they're like you know champagne cinema and then you know um hopped up cinema like they'll have like different labels for different types of programming and yeah. i think i have seen that before yeah because yeah. like um i go i try to go like every friday but like every friday they always play um a different horror movie like one or two every friday and but for right now because of everything going on they we they've been doing like a uh online oh great they do like a, a group chat so we can still like interact and talk about the movie very cool Want to check that out um yeah well that's awesome uh let's see so i think i think i'm at the end of my facts are you too (laughs) i am too (laughs) okay cool then we'll start to kind of wrap it up so i guess this brings me to my last couple of questions for you and my first question is um and we've kind of talked about this whole time but summarize it in sort of you know one or two sentences why do you like this movie so much and why do you think you've seen it so many times so I th- I want to say I started watching this movie um, like every year. I don't know what it is. I think I started watching it like a yearly thing for maybe like six or seven years now. I I I, I can watch it like any time. Like especially like during like the Halloween season, I like to watch oh, of it course. every time. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's mainly for it's it's the imagery the. Um, just the psychological thriller like even if it's a uh, I also just really like psychological thriller movies and this one was like I think this one's like the father and like one of the best like versions of it because it goes so much into the psyche of of Jacob and like everything that's going on it's it uh, to some I think it, it, it kind of be can be pretty slow but if you just keep keep on watching it it's just it keeps getting more and more interesting there's a lot of layers. And I feel like yeah, yeah. There's a lot of layers, and I feel like every time I watch it, I feel like I always find something new. You're you're so right. I think that like that's what. Said, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Because like you said, there's a lot of stuff that like for like split second, like for a split second. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like every time I rewatch it, there's probably something new I catch. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I think. There's a lot of layers, there's a lot of nuance to the story because, you know, they could have told the story where he's just, you know, things are crazy and then he, they get that reveal at the end. But when they weave in things like PTSD with war veterans and the drug imagery and, you know, all the other stuff that's going on and the fact that Jacob's dealing with a lot of guilt about his ex-wife but and his new girlfriend and, like, there's, like, a lot of stuff happening in the movie enough to sort of throw you off from what's actually happening um and i think that that does reward um 
rewatches. You know, when you see it for the first time, you're like, oh, okay, I got the whole picture now. But now you can kind of go back and revisit and then dig a little deeper and see more. And I think you're so right about the uh, the fact that it's a psychological drama. Um, I'm really drawn to those two psychological dramas and thrillers. Um, there's some of my favorite movies, which makes it even weirder that I hadn't seen this one. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, I will definitely... Uh, watch this again and I really enjoyed it um what is your elevator pitch for someone that's never seen this before like what do you say to someone that hasn't seen Jacob's Ladder I say to somebody who's like first time watching it's just to stick around it's just just I know it starts off a bit slow and a bit confusing at first but just if you keep watching it I think you'll like fully enjoy it yeah I think that's great I yeah it's uh it's kind of a slow burn. You're right. There's there's a couple shocking things that happen, um, but then when you get to the end, you're so satisfied. And there's just so many cool things, like you know when he's when he died, we're like we actually saw how he got killed in the very beginning, but we kind of forgot about it till the very end. And there's you know that's interesting. There's a lot of little stuff like that that you're like, ooh yeah. wow, okay, I got to go back and watch this again. Um, and I think sometimes when movies feel a little slow like that. Uh, after you're at the very end of it and you go back, they don't feel that way anymore because you know where it's all headed um, and you can kind of anticipate and, and maybe that slower pace gives you time uh, to see even more layer, you know, more things that are hidden in the movie. Cause, um, um, oh, go ahead. Because going back to like the beginning where you said like, oh, uh, uh, surprising because cause when it's, it starts off, it's it, you see him like... Um, there's like bombs going off or something and like he gets stabbed and i just think oh he he wakes up back in back in new york he, it's the war's already done he's he's back home i it didn't pop to my head till like later it's like oh this is yeah this is where he died yeah it's like that's that was the mortal wound that you know they're trying to save him from later yeah it's 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 really an interesting like it's a really cool cut to him on the train and it's also like a real aha moment at the end um well thank you so much for coming on samuel i am so glad to have you on and this was super fun uh where can people find you just go ahead and recap uh where can people find you on the net so you can find me on twitter at let me bring it up Oh and uh, oh and thank you. Yeah, this this was great. I really I've always wanted to be on here. This was super fun, and I thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. So you can find me on Twitter under triple S underscore Entertainment, uh, capital T, capital S underscore uh, E E N T M T, short for Entertainment. Uh, for Instagram, because I, I do a lot of stuff on Instagram as well. Oh, great! That's that's all. That's also Triple S Entertainment, but um, Triple underscore S underscore Entertainment, and that's all lowercase. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. And you're gonna have to think about the next movie you want to talk about when you come back on here. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, I think I think I have something in mind, but I'll, I'll say that for whenever whenever it gets around to me. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.